Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. Hey friends, thanks for joining us for another Inner Revolution podcast. We're excited to have Dan Miller back with us for part two of The Shattered Man. And if you hadn't seen the first part, it's really worth your time. We've got a bunch, a couple hundred hits on it. So uh, excited to have him back with us and really talking about the wholeness and the roles of man in relationship in uh, as a dad, as a husband, as uh, maybe someone in business. Uh, again, just great to have you, Dan. Dan is, um, there's a lot we could say about Dan. I didn't really do a good job the last time, but uh, he's a coach. He's a father of six. He has a real heart to disciple men. He works with a pro-life movement called the Gabriel Network. And um, But he's working with us and just discipling men. And Dan, great to have you, sir. God bless you. I appreciate it. It was fun last week. Yeah. And we're back again. So for, we're in round two. <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> definitely in round two. So, but looking forward to this conversation as well. So, yeah, we were talking, and I think it's a really big word in relationships and about expectations. And you want to unpack that a little bit? I think that'll be really relevant for what we're looking at today. Yeah, I think, you know, with, with just mentoring and doing some counseling with men, you know, I, I often hear about marriages being broken especially from the man's perspective, right? They're very aware things aren't right. And so I believe a lot of times when you start digging deeper, you start asking questions about what their expectations are and what their view is when it comes to marriage and particularly their wife. And I believe a lot of times there is a misunderstanding of what the Bible teaches. I also believe a lot of times we we have a false expectation of like, this is the goal we're trying to achieve, but it's not biblical or it's not the way God designed it. And since we're always going after this thing that we believe is what is success or excellence in marriage, we're not hitting it. And well, we're not, that's not what we're supposed to hit. And therefore I believe what that ends up doing is truly um, making us feel defeated because we're striving for something incorrect. And it is not the way God designed it. And I believe if we have our, you know, when we constantly go after something in our own world, in our own mind, in our own thought process, we're going to fail. And, you know, that ends up crushing us as men and affecting our psyche, our mentality, our heart, and, you know, really makes us feel almost emasculated because we don't feel like we're getting what we're supposed to. And I, I think that is putting expectations incorrectly on our wives. I believe it's also not always getting us centered on what God wants. And so, uh, you know, I, I just believe there's a lot of times that we just miss the mark. And the reason we're missing the mark is because we have the wrong bullseye, you know, Yeah, I would definitely uh, would love for you to unpack that a little bit. Expectations, like what is an expectation? What are healthy expectations? What are expectations that mislead us? Because I think inside there's that, you know, discouragement or that lack of, you know, maybe the wrong bullseye that you said. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, I think when I talk to men who 
struggle in their marriage and, 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 you know, I've shared in the past my own struggles. Um, my, my focus very much became about my wife's supposed to submit to me. She's supposed to honor me. And I don't feel like she's submitting to me. I don't feel like she's honoring me. And my entire focus is about her not doing her job. And so I think there's a, that is a wrong mentality that men have. But I also believe we sometimes falsely understand what it means to submit and honor. And, uh, you know, so I think there's two things regardless of the definition, as well as understanding how we're putting our focus on the wrong thing. Um, and so, you know, the Bible is very clear, you know, um, wives are to submit to their husband. You know, I'm not going to apologize for what the Bible says, you know, <laughs> like, you know, too often I hear pastors backpedaling in the world that we live in today because they're afraid to offend people. You know, yeah, wives are supposed to submit to their husbands. And, you know, there's there's several passages in the Bible, you know, particularly in the New Testament. I mean, it starts all the way back in Genesis. You know, at the, the beginning, you know, Genesis 3, you know, 2, 3, and 4, you know, there's different passages mixed in there, you know, that talk about that. And you see how sin has affected that. Um, and, you know, the change that went, you know, with that, you know, originally, you know, man called, you know, man was responsible to give names, titles, you know, the things. And at first he called her woman, you know, she's mine, you know, she's, we're equal, you know, like we're doing this together. She's my helpmate, you know, this is who God thought, you know, is suitable for me. And then all of a sudden sin happens and all of a sudden he changes her name to Eve because now she's just about childbearing, you know, like all of a sudden, like. Sin occurs, and now his view of her, in my mind, changes a little bit. You know, it's no longer, and you see that, you know, when it talks about, um, you know, the curse that is given to both man and to women, particularly, you know, that, you know, what's going to happen in that relationship. And I, I believe that has continued throughout all mankind, throughout all history because of sin. And, you know, we get into the New Testament, and you see these verses about, Women are supposed to, you know, and, and, you know, Ephesians 5 is always the big one, you know, that everybody goes to about women are, you know, wives submit to your husbands. And, you know, there's First Peter 3 about wives submit to your husband. And there's Colossians, you know, it's like you just see these all over the place. And, you know, and then you see things like First Timothy where, you know, he's writing to the church and it says women be silent. And, you know, they're like, see, she's supposed to be obedient to me and I'm supposed to, you know, and it's like. No, that's not what's going on, you know, in all of this. And, you know, we sometimes don't understand what submit means and we don't understand what be silent means. And I hear men all the time talk about, you know, and I've asked this question directly. What does honor mean to you as a husband and what does submit mean to you as a husband? And most times I hear a, the, I hear something to the level of obedience, you know, it's about obeying. It's about listening to me. It's about like, that's the focus. And, and I just sit there and I, I just struggle because I'm like, that's not what it's about. It's not about obedience. It's not about, you know, and there's a level to that. You know, I want to make sure that's clear, but that is a byproduct, <laughs> you know, and that is under humility and out of willingness and wantingness in circumstance, you know, under circumstances, it's not like in all things, you know, um, you know, and so I, I feel like people take those verses sometimes incorrectly, men, 
Um, you know, submit is a position. It is, you know, of responsibility. It's a role that God has designed, you know, and, you know, military, you know, that's all in the, the phrasing, you know, there's different ranks, you know, and one rank in God's eyes, there's somebody who's going to be held accountable, you know, and somebody who is responsible for the troops. And if something goes wrong, it's on them, you know, um, and I believe that it has nothing to do with obedience. It, it has to do with acknowledgement. It has to do with acceptance. It has to do with recognition. And I believe, you know, that is when it really changes the mindset. You know, um, this past week, my, my family and I were doing a devotional Bible study and my wife you know, was praying and man, you want to talk about a godly woman who, who I just sat there afterward. And I was just like, thank you. I mean, we had a conversation afterward. I was just like, thank you for just saying it the way you did, you know, and she prayed for us as a family, you know, we're taking turns praying and she prayed. Um, and she just prayed like, God, you have put Dan as the father, as the head of our household. And he has responsibilities that none of us understand. And so, God, we just ask that you just pour your wisdom and your Holy Spirit in him to lead us and to set a mission and to give him grace and mercy as he tries to lead us. And I'm sitting there going like that wasn't about obedience. That was about just understanding. I mean, you want to talk about honor. I mean, for the next, you know, three or four days, I was like on cloud nine because she just understood what my role was. And that was so honoring to me to say that in, in prayer, but to say that in front of my kids, like, this is what he is. This is his role. And there are times she's like, you're wrong. Like, you're not handling this right. I'm not supposed to sit there and say, well, you need to obey. Like, no, my wife is has more degrees than I do. She is much wiser than I am in many areas, but she recognizes you know, my position that God has put on me and the heavy responsibility that I have. And to me, that is the most honoring thing that she can do for me. Now, through the way I treat her, um, you know, we're supposed to, wives, you know, it uses the submission thing, but it says often like with the church, you know, under Christ, you know, as a Christian, I look at, you know, my obedience to wanting to be like Christ has come because I recognize who he is. I recognize what he's done. And I recognize the sacrifice and humility he was willing to make on my behalf. Because of recognizing that now I want to be more obedient and it is easier to submit in obedience and to get on the same page as him. But he's also God and he's perfect. <laughs> You know, and so as a husband, I, I feel like too often, you know, is who am I? You know, my character, my integrity, you know, the person that I am at home, who am I? Does my life reflect somebody who my wife should want to follow? Does she look at me and say, he sacrificed everything for me and our children? And now, if she can sit there and say, that's true, man, it's a lot easier for her. But the responsibility starts with me. And I think a lot of times I hear men say, 
Well, the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 22 to 24, or 1 Peter, you know, um, 3, you know, and I'm thinking like, and it's always about the wives. And I immediately want to say like, okay, so tell, you can quote this word for word. What does it say about husbands? Give me, give me that verse. Well, you're supposed to look. They'll give me like the short answer. Well, we're supposed to love our wives, but it says a whole lot more than that, you know, um, you know, and I believe that's just the mentality I've had men say to me, but you know, it says women are supposed to do this first in, in, in Ephesians timeout. That's, you know, it's like, we, we want to manipulate the Bible and that's eisegesis, right? That's taking something out of context and not using it correctly within the context versus exegesis where we're taking what is actually being said as the whole and we're manipulating it for our own good and i just feel like you know that there is a misunderstanding of what it means to honor and i believe you know and i said that was the first thing but i said the second thing was like our focus is on the wrong thing when it says wives do this he's not talking to us as men so get off of it like he's not telling us husbands, your wives are supposed to do this. No, he's talking to our wife. He's saying to wives, not he's saying to the women, <laughs> you know, he's saying to the women, wives, you are supposed to do this. But now he says something directly to the men and it says, men, you're supposed to do this. And we always want to focus on what our wives are being told to do by God, but we ignore that's not, that's not for us. You know, that that's not something God is saying to us. He's saying that to our wives. And then he gives us command direction on how to do it and you know I, I believe we just miss what's going on and we put ourselves in the wrong position of power and authority um in, in our relationship and you know I think if sometimes we really just went back and looked at those passages in Ephesians and Colossians and and first Peter and we really just what is the man's responsibility period? And let's just look at that. And are we making the mark? So I know it's a lot, but. No, I think I think you really said stuff here that is critical, because if we're shooting at the wrong bullseye then expecting something different, that's like it's like doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. It's one of those uh, definitions of insanity. Right. Um, yeah. You, you said some really interesting things and uh, submission. I love what Elizabeth Elliot says. It's a glad surrender. It's the, it's the submission or coming under the authority of Christ and another individual. And I think um, men can get discouraged and or they can back off and uh, get into their mood swings and just uh, punish their spouse by maybe a silent treatment or just being angry. Now, um, let's say someone's starting out in a relationship. Um, let's say they're, they're newly married, or um, maybe they just want to do a fresh start. Uh, you mentioned words like humility, uh, service, sacrifice. These are only words that can really be understood in, in, in the light of the spirit, because no one's humble, no one's patient. <laughs> uh, we want what we want, and we want it now. Um, but when you look at 1 Corinthians 13, there's all these words of just bearing all things, believing all things, enduring all things, love thinks no evil. Um, how does somebody have a new start? Let's say somebody is just out there listening today and they're thinking, wow, I, I would just like, like you said, how your wife prayed uh, and then your kids heard that, that honor 
that unif- you know, that unity is so powerful when a spouse supports the husband yeah. and or the husband supports the wife in front of their kid. Um, what would be some ways to turn the boat around? Let's say it's just literally going towards the, it's going towards Niagara Falls, man. It's going to go over and break into a thousand pieces. What would you say to that person? What are some practical things they can do now? I would say number one, who's your mentor? You know, I think Titus talks about that, you know, and, and we, we, we believe it is our job as husbands to tell our wives what it means to be submissive and honoring. And that is not biblical. You know, it is not our responsibility to tell our wives how they're supposed to be submissive. It is the older women, according to Titus. It is the older women who they are supposed to teach. You know, what is it? Um, you know, Titus, you know, what is it? Chapter two, you know, where it talks about older men and older women, but it says the older women specifically teach your, you know, to show the younger women how to submit and honor their husbands. And I believe too often we just kind of glance over that and, you know, we, it is not our job. It is our, that is not our responsibility as husbands to tell our wives what it means to be obedient, what it means to be temperament, what it means to be reverent, what it means to be, you know, um, you know, doing what it's called to do to love your husbands and to love your children. That is not our job. That is what older women are supposed to be doing with younger women. And I would say, do both husband and wife have mentors of godly people in their lives who are pointing them to what this means? And you got to be careful because you just can't go to some random person. You got to like look at it and say, okay, I don't understand how this guy and this woman have a kind of marriage that, in my opinion, looks good. But all I know is somehow they're happy <laughs> and I'm not. And so they obviously got something right. And I would say, number one, you know, I think both couples, you know, men need to be mentored. They need to have somebody who can speak truth into their life. And I really believe for men who are more legalistic and are are thinking a lot of times, I would say really get into the Bible and look at what is it saying about your role as men. And Focus on you, focus on what it is with somebody who can walk you through it together. And I think that's where we really lack the, the, the emphasis. And I think third is, you know, you know, so there's mentoring for our wives, there's mentoring for us when it comes to looking at what the Bible says. And I I would say third, what is your mission? Because, you know, they're supposed to have submission, which is under our mission, So what is our mission as a family? And we think protect and provide, and we think in physical ways, you know, I'm supposed to provide financially for my family and have a home and I'm supposed to protect physically, you know, you know, I walk on the side of the street, you know, where the cars are, you know, and I open the door and, you know, I close the door. I would say, is your mission something that is providing and protecting your wife and your children emotionally and most importantly, spiritually? Like how, what is your mission, your goal? And have you had that conversation with your wife? You know, are you aligned on that? 
And too often we get into all the other stuff, but our family is supposed to reflect God's work. And so how are we going to do that when it comes to different areas? And, you know, I think a lot of the issues that go on in marriages, a lot of times have to do with finances. It has to do with their children, disciplining children. You know, I think it has to do with who gets the say on what, you know, um, and, and I just believe we often don't, as men, have a mission for our families. And it was the one thing that my wife pushed for me to do. And, you know, she would say to me often, what is our mission? Like, I, I want to know what your mission is. What am I following? What is the parameters? Where's the, where am I using to say, okay, when I make a decision, when we make a decision as a family, it's under this. This is the, where we're going. I don't know many men who've actually said, you know what, this is the mission of our family. And we are going to do it this way under what Christ teaches and Christ with the church. And it reflects that, you know, and we get caught up in all the other stuff. But when we make decisions, should our kids have cell phones? When do they start dating? Um, where do we live? You know, how, what kind of car are we going to buy when we need to buy a new car? A lot of those things will start to fall under that mission statement. And if we don't have a mission for our family, what are our wives submitting under? Like, you know, and so that's on us. That is on us as men. And God made us, which is a beautiful thing. He actually made us to be able to do this. Like he designed us in creation to be that person in our home. And the amazing part is I know when my wife asked me about submission, you know, what is our mission of our family? What am I submitting under? What is she, she immediately pointed out, you can do this with soccer, your soccer teams. You have a goal, you know, a, a style of play that you're going to incorporate, you know, how your substituting is going to happen, you know, how you're going to attack, how you're going to defend. You think all that at, at soccer, you go into work, you have a mission that you're trying to accomplish. You know, it's like, here's the goal. And we're going to have things that are going to try to achieve that goal. You, I'm already designed that way. I go to prepare a sermon. I, I know where I want to go and I start planning it out, teach a lesson. I do this in every other area of my life. And I was like, but you don't do it at home. So what that tells me is I am the lowest of your priorities. We as a family are the low spot on the totem pole. And that should never be that. It should be number one on the totem pole. And if our wives are staying, sitting there saying, we're the bottom and we get the least, that's on us. And so how do we get out of that? You got to get a mentor. You got to have a mission statement. You got to really study the Bible. What is our job and what is our role? Yeah, I mean, the, these are things uh, that really uh, need our meditation. I mean, I just think about, I love this about having a mission. Uh, oftentimes women uh, don't function well under abstract communication. And it's not that we need to know everything but you're going to God together in prayer. You are open and vulnerable saying, hey, listen, I don't know all the answers, but I know this part. Let's do what we know with all of our heart. And then once that's completed, God will show us the next step. But you bring up a great point. We give our heart to so many things. Mm -hmm. And then at home, we're just like, oh man, I just want to relax and just our expectation, maybe have food on the table, kid quiet. 
just um, just unrealistic action where it frustrates everyone in the home. But but when there's a mission statement, like for instance, I know in our home, we have uh, we're spiritual educators. We we do what we do to, to educate people in their spiritual life. Um, we're pioneers. We love to um, break new ground and keep ourselves challenged in faith. Um, we believe in missions. We give to missions. We are part of a mission as far as reaching the lost. Uh, church is a very high priority in our life. So we say no to the good thing to say yes to the great thing, right? Yeah. That's church or church life. And not that we have to be at everything, but we are to those things that we are called to be. And um, <laughs> I just, I mean, you said an excellent statement. You said the family should reflect God's work. And um, it's like the woman is the glory of the man, right? Your kids are listening, watching, and um, coming to conclusions that ultimately they'll imitate when they are older and in the relationship. And um, it's okay to, um, again, make mistakes, but there's, a, there's this attitude of, oh, I'm sorry, uh, I need to go to God with this. And not in an over-spiritualized way, but just say, hey, dad's human too. But dad's not just making excuses. He is seeking wisdom. Like you said, he's seeking a mentor. He's seeking somebody that, uh, can, that's walked before him and that has... Um, a a uh, a lifestyle and a track record that glorifies God and that that shows a godly manner. You know, um, again, I think getting ourselves out of the way. Let's say something is not working. It doesn't have to necessarily be the end of the story. Uh, we just invest new tools, new new ways of thinking. And um, what would you say to this, Dan? Um, you know. How about, you know, men seek encouragement, women seek to be cherished, let's say. Men seek to be, um, to be honored and respected and the wife, does, you know, you said something, the wife feels like there's this, there's this thought sometimes that the wife doesn't feel loved or feel mm -hmm. cherished or feels very low and they communicate that. They're like, listen, um, Gosh, I'm like a low priority in your life. How does a man, how does he turn that around? Because that's a, that's a terrible, uh, what's the word there? Going down the drain if you don't address that. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do we, you make them want to make them feel special, inclusive? But let's say, let's say a woman is carnal. <clears throat> that's a big one. What if they're carnal and they don't want to follow, no matter whatever the man does? Or let's say they don't feel, they're just, just really like, man. You care about so many things, but wow. what would you say to that kind of man? I think we all have, you know, and, and I'll use my life, my marriage. I have definitely done enough for my wife not to want to follow me. You know, I, I have screwed up more than my share, especially early on in our marriage, where it was about obedience and it was about, you know, um, her role and you know your job is to blank whatever fill in the you know it, you want it to be you know and I I believe you know there's times that there's tension and there's discussions and there's debate 
you know, and we see this in the early church a lot. And, and I think, you know, and I said this last time, you know, the church and the marriage to me just fit so beautifully together. And, you know, in first Timothy, there's a lot of tension going on in the church in Ephesus. And so Paul tells, you know, Timothy, you know, he, he gives him three things when you're, you're facing this, your responsibility is to have a pure heart, a good conscience and a sincere faith. And if you don't have a pure heart, it's not about what you're getting out of it. You know, it's about the other person. Your focus is on the other person and showing love. Your conscience is about doing what is right and what is wrong and not having motives to benefit yourself. The one's about the other one's not making sure it's not about you. But then it's truly about your sincere faith, about your, your walk with God. And I believe too often we don't go into these tough patches, you know, and sometimes we need to get ourselves right. You know, we need to get ourselves right as husbands because we're we're not there and, you know, we're, we're hurt, we're angry. And I believe that, again, counseling comes into play when it comes to mentoring, you know, it's why I'm such an advocate for, you know, talking to brothers in Christ, you know, and, and mentors. But I believe, again, it just comes down to. The path that you're taking is not working. It's just not, you know, and we we spoke, you know, Pastor Shadow last night, you know, talked about Acts 27 and, you know, about the shipwreck of Paul. Sometimes you're not listening to the advice that's on the ship, you know, and all around you. God's sometimes going to, you know what, fine, then I'll, I'll destroy the ship. You know, <laughs> I'll make it so you have to get off and you're going to have to survive in, in a much different format. And so I love that about God, that sometimes he just says, you know what, the ship you're sailing is not going to work. The path you're taking is not going to work. You know, you don't want to listen. I'm going to have to wake you up. And I love that about his grace because he loves marriage so much. But as men, we're not quitters. That is not who we are. So why all of a sudden when a marriage gets tough, we're willing to quit, you know, uh, because it's easier to do a project than do a relationship. You know, and that's the hard part for us is this is a relationship. It's not a project. And we sometimes look at our marriage as a project. You know, it's like, you know, I got to go mow the grass or I got to go ditch, you know, dig some ditches in the backyard so we can get a new sump tank in. Or, you know, there's a start. There's a clear finish. You know, I started it. I'm done with it. It's over. Well, that's not relationships. And that's certainly not our wives because, there were times I thought I had her figured out, and then I quickly realized I did not. And, and then different seasons of life come through. You know, we went from having little children to going into having teenagers, and now we're going into kids going, you know, looking at next stages in their lives. So our relation dynamic, relationship dynamic has completely changed, and our role and our partnership and our unity has needed to change with that. But the mission hasn't changed. You know, and I think, you know, you talked about your mission as a family. That's not going to change with your son being in elementary school, middle school, high school, or when he's getting ready to transition out, or when you guys become empty nesters. That mission of honoring God and being consistent with what God teaches is going to carry you through regardless. And your wife, you know, needs to buy into that. If she's not buying into the mission, we've got a bigger problem, you know. Now, maybe your mission's off. Maybe now you need counseling as a couple, you know, and, but again, you know, 
you said words like cherish, you know, and, and I think that is part of what the Bible does teach husbands to do is to be gentle, to nourish. And, you know, the Bible actually says to nourish and to nurture, you know, your wives, you know, and I would, I, there are times I don't want to ask my, I don't want somebody to ask my wife if she feels like her husband cherishes her. And does she feel like her husband is nourishing her? Because I, I don't like, I don't want anybody to know that answer, you know, because there's definitely times I do not make my, my wife feel like she is being cherished. And there is consistency that comes because emotions are fleeting, but is there a consistent mentality of, I want to cherish my wife and I want to nurture my wife and I want my, I want unity with my wife. Is that a constant mission and theme that goes on inside our home? And you said about our kids, you know, are going to be imitators. That's scary sometimes because you hear the way they talk to each other, talk to us, and you're like, you know, how could you do? Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? They are imitators. And sometimes we may think it's on, you know, they're echoing what we do five knots higher. But in all honesty, they think they're just doing exactly what they see and what they've experienced. And so, um, you know, how do we change that dynamic? Um, and I think, you know, when we just really look at as husbands, what is our role? Are we getting mentored? Are we, do we have a mission? Like, I'll just keep on going back to that over and over and over again, because if we don't have a mission for our family, she has nothing to aim for. She has nothing to submit under. There's no mission for her to be under. So, She's going to miss the mark because there's no mark to be there, which then is going to affect us. And we're going to feel like, oh, my gosh, she doesn't honor me. She doesn't submit to me. There's Well, of course she doesn't. And now we feel shattered and crushed and destroyed because she's not making us feel something, which honestly, that shouldn't be how we dictate what is honor and submission. It's not a feeling. It is a it is a thought. It is a commitment. It is, I'm in to who this, what this looks like and what this is. So. Excellent. Excellent. I mean, I think, I think we all can relate to um, the project versus relationship, right? It's like, uh, let's just grab the chainsaw and go out back or, you know, um, but women are definitely not a project there. They're, everything is connected to them. Everything is, uh, everything speaks to them. You know, we have to close, but I mean, first Timothy one, five, I, I think that's a big verse. You said pure heart, sincere faith and good conscience. It's like, okay, we, we can be honest with ourselves. We can be honest with God and then honest with our spouse. And then not being a quitter. I think you really hit the mark on that. I think you know, just because things are tough doesn't mean that they'll always be tough. And I think it's an opportunity for us to go deeper with God, but also to, you know, there's that macho-ness of us or the ego. We said last, last episode that it really robs from intimacy and from uh, vulnerability. These are things that are real keys to turning things around and uh, really entering into God's design. And maybe just as we close, just to echo what you said, have a, have a mission, um, have a, cause again, 
if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. You know what they say on that one. It's if you aim at nothing. So really maybe just a practical take practical takeaway is okay, what's our mission for each other? What's our mission? Well, our mission individually, each other, corporately, and then as a family. And it doesn't have to be like something sensational, but it, it has to be something that tethers us for when the winds come and the boat comes under great duress that we don't get blown off course, you know. Dan, it's been great having you. Uh, last thoughts, comments. I mean, we could go on. This has already been 45 minutes. It just seems like a blink here. Uh, <laughs> any last words, comments? I just, I would encourage men, you know, God intentionally designed you as a man. And he gave you, I really believe, all the, the gifts, the talents, the resources, the relationships are in your life to overcome the challenges you have. And marriage is difficult. And as men, we feel shattered sometimes in our marriage. But I believe there is no greater attack that Satan's going to have than on the marriage. Hence the first one. But I also believe there is no greater miracle and glory to God than when a marriage is restored. And I believe God being the omnipotent one desires for marriages to be restored. And I believe as long as we strive to honor him and really get our hearts centered on who, what he has done in our lives, and we understand his grace, his mercy, his peace, I believe God wants to do amazing things, you know, and I believe that, you know, God wants more than anything for marriages to be restored. There's nothing more beautiful and honoring on this earth, I believe, than marriage. So. Yeah, it reminds me of an illustration, uh, like a mosaic, you know, when something is broken, let's say it, the, the, the ship gets broken. But in, in our, let's say there's trust lost, there's respect lost, or there's fear. And I just think with a mosaic, it's that broken glass that is repurposed into, into a new design. Somebody might say, my life is falling apart. My marriage is falling apart. But really, it might be falling into a new place. And I think that's a great perspective. Like, let's take those broken pieces and repurpose them after they go through the cross, of course, and they become a beautiful design. I, I know my wife and I were at Sandy, Sandy Point years ago, and, and we're in one of those little arts and crafts kind of things. And um, they take a perfectly good piece of glass and, you know, carefully break up these colored glass pieces and then they put it in a new mold and you know we have it in our garden this rock with all this colored glass and so the brokenness becomes beautiful because now it's in it's in a new design it's in the purpose of God so Dan great to have you oh my gosh these are such great thoughts today appreciate you big time and friends thanks for joining us today for the inner revolution podcast uh, connect with us at innerrevolution.us subscribe and we're going to have part three to The Shattered Man because this is just too good to stop. We look forward to talking to you soon. God bless you. Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.